0: everyone and thank you for tuning in to the Full Circle podcast, a show dedicated to helping you find your way home. I'm your host, Gillian McMichael. I'm a master coach, coaching supervisor, holistic wellness expert and the founder of Full Circle Global. And my purpose is to help others find their way home, back to their true self. Today we'll be exploring the topic of trusting your intuition. I'm joined by Jeannie Sullivan, a course designer and coach based in the United States. Jeannie has made significant changes in her life, which saw her in 2003 endure a number of losses that had a major impact on her life. All led to a whole life redesign. Despite these challenging times, Jeannie pulled herself together, excelled in her career and learned to truly love herself. We often hear people saying, go with your gut feeling or trust your instincts. And there's a reason for this. Often that gut feeling is trying to tell us something. Paying attention to it and trying to understand what it's telling you can have a huge positive impact on your life. I loved hearing how Jeannie followed her own gut feeling to step into her true purpose. How she let go of expectations of others and herself and how she transformed her life from living with self-judgment to now living a life with compassion. So please relax, get comfortable, and enjoy the episode. really nice to see you and to speak with you again how are you doing
1: hi jillian i'm so excited to be here thank you for inviting me to chat with you today
0: oh you're welcome i've been really looking forward to our conversation so i know when we've chatted before and actually we've worked together haven't we before and we've known each other now i think coming up for just over over a year and i know when we've spoken before you told me a little bit about how intuition has showed up in your life and i remember once you told me that intuition had kind of appeared really at a very young age. And I wondered if you wouldn't mind talking more about that.
1: Yes, of course. Well, you know how it is when you're growing up. um, Sometimes you hear stories over and over again that your parents and siblings share with you. And there's a story that my mom reminds me of often um, about when I was three years old. She took me to preschool for, the fir- for my first day. And I was excited. I still remember the pretty little dress I had on going into my kinder- kindergarten classroom. And I spent the day, and I remember being very much an observer of what was happening, um, not so much in the mix of things that day. But when she picked me up, I hopped in the car and she said, So, Jeannie, how was preschool today? And I just looked right at her and I said, I think we'll just try this again next year. And she (laughs) just giggled and said, Okay. And so we spent, you know, another year at home together, me and her. And then um, I went off to school the following year and everything has been, you know, hunky dory since then. But
0: it was, (laughs) it's one of those stories she tells me often. That's amazing. At such young age, to you say, do you know what? This is not working for me today. I, might, I may go another time. <laughs> so as we're talking about trusting your intuition, that's a lovely example from very early on in your life. But how has intuition showed up in your life?
1: So it has really shown up again and again uh, for me, especially as I began to journey into adulthood and some you know, uh, adult decisions that were, that were a little more hefty than kindergarten. Um, but one of the things that I really experienced a, a huge amount of trusting my gut and going with my intuition was when I started my business. So one of the things that I have always enjoyed doing and love doing is creating training programs. And that's some of the work that you and I have done together. Mm-hmm. And I did that for years and years in corporate America. got tons of experience and so grateful for that experience. But I remember one day looking up and I had found myself leading a credit rejuvenation project for a major financial institution and it was all numbers and Excel spreadsheets and not really things that I enjoy and I remember looking up just thinking like what is it what, what am I doing here how did I how did I get here and it was right in the middle of the recession um, of around that 2009 2010 time frame and I just knew I had this feeling in my gut that it was time to leave corporate America in spite of all the wonderful experience I had gotten and start my own business. And so, I was so excited about this new adventure, but every time I would tell somebody about the adventure, they'd look at me with this just horrified look on their faces because as a single mom, I'm supporting two kids and I'm heading out on my own to start my own business. But I just, I knew I had that gut feeling that this was the right move for me. And that was back in 2010. And now I'm 11 years successfully in business, which um, a lot of small businesses are sole proprietors
0: don't make it that long, Um, so it's really, really exciting. So obviously that showed up in terms of that decision to move away from your your, corporate America. And we'll come back to that if that's all right. But I just want to take you back because even when you said there's been times in your life before that as well, I think when we've talked previously around how you moved, you grew up in a close-knit family and then how you moved from the smaller town into the bigger town. and, And there were certain phases in your life, wasn't there, that again, intuition played a big part.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, so so I did. I, I skipped over some parts, Jillian. You did. I know.
0: <laughs> well, we can go back. It's good. It's good to go back like, to come forward.
1: Yeah. 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 Let's go back. Let's take a trip back. So yes, I grew up in a really small town, um, Cleveland, Mississippi, and. Hardly anybody I talked to has ever heard of it. My dad was a professor at a really tiny university there. Um, their mascot is the Fighting Okra, if that gives you any idea <laughs> to, to how small town this was. Um, and so growing up, I was one of five girls. And uh, we were very well known in the town with my dad as a professor and the five Sullivan girls. Um, always going about and and, and doing different things. But when I was 14 years old, we moved to Rock Hill, South Carolina, and we moved right outside Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a really big city. Um, There are lots of financial, lots of financial industry there. And as we were traveling Um, up here. And I was thinking like, what, what even is this for me? I don't even know. I've never even traveled outside of my small town in little Cleveland, Mississippi. Um, And I'll never forget the first time I went into Charlotte, North Carolina with a friend of mine and her mom. And we went shopping at the mall and I was just looking around in awe of all of the opportunity that was around me. And I thought, wow, there's so much possible here that Uh, Might not have been possible without this move.
0: And then, obviously, when you you went to grad school and everything, didn't you? And then you got married quite early.
1: I did, yes. So, this land of opportunity
0: (laughs) that I found (laughs) myself in, in making
1: that big move, um, I I did. I went off to college and I went off to graduate school. Um, I actually stayed pretty close to home. Um, for those adventures. And then when I was 23 years old, I met the man that would become my husband. And we got, met. he was not young, as young as I was. He was 29 at the time, and I was 23. Um, and I really was seeking out stability. I, you know, I wanted to create sort of that white picket fence, perfect family. I wanted 2.5 kids and a dog. And um, I wanted everything just to play out perfectly as you would read in a storybook. Um, And so David and I got married. And as time went on, you know, I had my first child, and then I had a a second child. And I tell people, that I got a lot done in my 20s because by the time I was 29 years old, I had gotten married, had two kids, and then I had gotten divorced. Um, And so before I turned 30, pretty much all of my plans, all of my dreams, all my big picture of exactly mapping out what I just knew my life was going to be like, they came crumbling down.
0: And obviously that's a big shift isn't it from that ideal sense of what you wanted at such you know from such an early age after you graduated but i'm kind of wondering that sense of using your intuition did that come into play in that decision that you needed to make around really changing your life yes in so many different ways so what what else was happening at that
1: time in my life jillian is that i also my dad had gotten really sick And in April of 2003, um, my dad passed away, my marriage fell apart, and I got a brand new job working in one of those big, huge buildings in Charlotte, North Carolina, for one of the financial institutions, you know, Mm -hmm. that I had looked up at with so much awe when I traveled there for the very first time. And so there were parts of my life that were you know I was letting go and then there were parts of my life that were coming in and you know the thing that was really well there were lots of things that were really difficult about that time but one of the things that was really difficult about that time was um, making the decision to go out on my own as a single parent to Mm -hmm. attempt to raise two boys um, on my own. But here's the thing that I knew. And again, I just I keep using this language. I knew it was in my gut because it doesn't make logical sense. But somewhere within me, I knew that I could be a better parent to my kids if I were going to separate myself from a relationship that wasn't working very well mm-hmm. and you know, was dysfunctional in lots of ways. And I thought, Even though this doesn't make logical sense, I knew that I could provide something that would contribute more to them on my own than I could by continuing to be in this dysfunctional marriage, even though it would have two people contributing to it. So that was, again, a huge decision I made that not many people understood or supported, actually.
0: It's really interesting as you're talking, because I've also been divorced, I'm remarried now, but I was divorced about 11 years ago. And I agree, it's, it's, it's not an easy decision to make. But when you just know it's not right, and it's better to move away from that dysfunctionality and to be, as I described it to my son, which is, it's better to have two happy homes and one unhappy home. You know, you just know it's the right thing, but it's a very difficult. And it takes a lot of, of um, trust in yourself, I would say, as well. It definitely does. And I think that's another one of those situations where
1: um, actually I just <laughs> I just had this memory come back to me the other day. I can remember just a couple of months after um, David and I had separated being at a neighborhood gathering. And I actually overheard a couple of the women in the neighborhood talking with each other and asking, like, well, what was so wrong with him? Like, why, why did why did that not work out or why couldn't she make that work and it just it came back to me and i just i remember that so much of those moments and that time in my life was a, you have to get to a point to make a decision like you did and like i did where the voice inside of you is much louder than the yeah. voices that you hear all around you
0: That's such a lovely way to put it, because most of us don't pay attention to that voice that might be screaming at us inside. We just carry on regardless. And I think especially when you're listening and paying attention to your intuition, it's so important to listen to that voice inside.
1: Yes, and you know, I found Jillian that if I'm not listening, um, it gets louder and louder, and <laughs> it will try to get my attention in more and more uncomfortable ways. If that makes sense, you know, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's at that point, isn't it, when you moved then into corporate America and got your kind of big job at that point? Yeah. So it was that point, and um, that was really
1: sort of a bright spot. Um, I love my work and I always have really enjoyed it. And at that moment in time, I just had such a wonderful opportunity to work with a great group of people. I was able actually to find a job where I worked primarily from home, which gave me a lot of flexibility, you know, being a single parent to work really hard while my kids were at school and then work really hard after they went to bed at night. Um, but to have some some sweet moments in between where I was available in a way that I wouldn't have been um, if I wasn't able to work from home. I know now that we've been through the pandemic, everybody knows what it's like to work from home and especially mm-hmm. with two little kids. <laughs> but um, that was something I, I got a dose of pretty early Mm. um, it is very challenging and also rewarding as well
0: and in terms of then that intuition how did then that start to show up in your life as you then move forward as a single mom looking after two boys having a big job managing you know a whole host of different responsibilities I would imagine
1: (laughs) yes and so I would say like for the first probably four or five years after the divorce. I was really just, I don't want to say in survival mode. I mean, I was thriving in my career. I was giving lots of focus to my career. I was taking care of the boys and doing all I needed to do to enjoy them and so that they could thrive. Um, But I hadn't really had a moment to take a look at myself and ask myself some pretty important questions. I knew that my dysfunctional marriage was not all somebody else's fault (laughs) i knew that there were some things inside of me and i knew even when i chose to leave that relationship that it wasn't about finding a different person a better person who was going to magically you know make a relationship work for me, I knew there was internal work to be done, but yeah. it did take me about four or five years to get to the point where um, I was ready and had the space to do that work. Yeah. And so once I found myself with uh, a little, as the boys got a little bit older, because they were one and four um, at mm. the time that, uh, of the divorce. And so as they got a little bit older and a little more self-sufficient, um, I found myself asking some really big questions like, who am I? Uh, What do I really want from this life? You know, Um, what did I contribute to this relationship not working out? And that's when I came across um, a book that changed my life forever. It's a book called Fearless Living by Rhonda Britton. And there is a chapter, I believe it's chapter seven. I could be mistaken, um, but there's a chapter on expectations. And what she says is that, you should not have any expectations not of yourself not of other people that they are basically just a breeding ground for disappointment and letting go of expectations is the most important thing you can do if you want to really truly experience freedom in your life and i tell you i read that for the first time and jillian i think i threw the book on the floor because i just thought (laughs) what is this there is no way like life would end if i let go of expectations (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: It's so it's so interesting because I've also read that book. And it's one of the books that I read. In fact, it was my first book, coaching book that I read. Um, and it did change my perspective on things. Also, it's so interesting that we've shared the same experience with, with the book. <laughs> but I think those fundamental questions that when you go through such a big change and certainly a shift in your life, the question of who am I and what do I want? And I suppose we don't really often ask ourselves those big life questions until we feel we're ready to. So I wonder, this sense of releasing expectations, did you do that? And if so, how did you do it? <laughs> oh, well,
1: I think I was I was still working in the land of the relationship at this point in time. You know, David and I were co-parenting at that point. And um, even though we were co-parenting and we had a set of agreements and my, from my perspective, they weren't meeting my expectations. And so I was really having this frustration with, you know, I've done everything I can do. Like we're, we're no longer in a relationship. We don't share a house anymore. You know, we're legally and physically separated and, and no longer in a marriage. And yet I was consistently feeling so much frustration and disappointment. Um, From the communication that we had, you know, all the expectations that I had of of him and how he would show up as a co-parent and for our kids. And I just want to be clear. It wasn't, he wasn't a horrible dad by any means. Mm-hmm. I just had, I was still carrying around. Remember that white picket fence and the 2.5 kids. <laughs> and the dog. Like I wanted a divorce that matched the white picket fence. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted us to get along. I wanted us to sit together at the ball games. I wanted him to, you know, honor his every other weekend visits yeah. with boys. And so I think that that process of letting go of, that was, I was holding on so tightly, Jillian, to all of those expectations and everything that I wanted and needed him to be so that I could be the kind of divorced parent that still had a white picket fence, if that makes any sense. It 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 was really about that reflection on me, and so slowly, over time, after I read that chapter, probably five or six more times, I started to recognize that it was the expectations I had of myself Mm -hmm. that were holding these external expectations in place. Right. I was the one saying, well, if I'm going to be a divorced mom, I need to be a divorced mom who still can show up at the PTA meeting and still can make the homemade cupcakes for the, and in order to do that, David needs to be a, B, C and D. Um, So I think the hardest expect, you know, we, my tendency was to look at, well, how do I let go of these expectations of other people? But really if I created some space and acceptance and allowance and compassion for myself and loosened up those expectations I had on everything I thought I was supposed to
0: be, should be, then those expectations of other people seemed to fall away. That's so interesting, isn't it, that once you release the expectation from others, then that can also influence what you expect from yourself as well.
1: Yes. And, you know, I had this misbelief that if I didn't expect things of others and if I didn't expect things of myself, that I would somehow have less integrity, or I wouldn't uphold my agreements. Or, you know, I had this thought of like, well, why would anybody do what they're supposed to do if somebody doesn't have an expectation of them? Um, And I guess that too speaks to the intuition, because Mm. I knew intuitively the kind of parent that I wanted to be. And honestly, it had nothing to do with PTA or the homemade cupcakes. Who I wanted to be for my kids was a person who could create an environment where they could show up and ask questions like, who am I, mm-hmm. right? And they could get yeah. to know themselves and not have to be perfect um, and, you know, make mistakes and it would be okay and explore
0: what they love to do. Yeah, so amazing because Just reflecting on what you've been saying there, you know, the one thing that I have learned as well is that with expectation comes judgment as well. And Mm. again, if you're carrying expectation for self or for others, you know, it's highly likely that you will then judge others because you're always measuring them. And that, that quote that you shared from Rhonda Britton around that you will always be disappointed. And I think that's a really important lesson, isn't it? That if you judge or if you hold somebody up to particular standards then you will get disappointed in them or generally in life. Yes. And it was
1: one of those, I remember coming to the conclusion um, that I I really had the opportunity to choose what was more important to me. Was it expectations or freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Did I want to have all these expectations of other people, of the world, of myself, or did I want to be free? to be able to accept whatever it is that that comes my way and trust that people are gonna do for the most part and especially myself, the
0: best that I can do on that day. Mm, yeah, amazing. And that's, I, I do think that's a really interesting, do, do I want the freedom? And I think most of us would say, absolutely, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have that freedom. But sometimes we're so bound by what we think we should do versus what we really want to do. And, and I think, as I said, those questions you've asked, who am I and what do I want, are so important in this whole sense of making the shift and, and, and really listening at a deeper level to yourself in terms of really what kind of, your core is wanting you to do. Mm-hmm. So that's when, isn't it, after all that and you've done all that work, amazing work on yourself, you then decided to launch your own business, which, as you said, has been an amazing success over these last 11 years for you. And again, your intuition came through. So since then and over these last 11 years, again, how has intuition showed up for you and how have you, I suppose, allowed it to guide you to help you make the right decisions in your business, in your life as a whole? Hmm. Well, that's a
1: really interesting question. You know, after I read Rhonda Britton's book, I went and got a coaching certification. And so when I launched my own business, so that was an intuitive move as well. I just flipped to the back of the book. And after I finally accepted what was in her chapter on expectations and it changed my life, I thought, who is this woman and what does she do? And so I looked in the back of the book and she was a life coach and I'd never even heard of that before, but I thought I want to contribute to other people's lives. Like she's contributed to me just even Mm -hmm. through this book. Um, And so I found a coaching program I had some limitations, which were that, you know, I didn't really have any extra space and time in my day to actually go to classes. But I did find an online program where I would call into coaching classes every night after the boys went to sleep. And um, over the next couple of years, I got my coaching certification. And so when I when I left corporate America, I left with sort of a goal that was twofold. One was to continue doing the instructional design work that I enjoy for corporate clients. But the other piece of that was to take on just a handful of coaching clients and help them uh, sort of go through the process of asking those similar questions. Who am I? What do I want? What can I let go of? What do I want Mm -hmm. to bring into my life? And so that again, just listening to that, following that spark um of flipping to the back of the book and just thinking like oh well who is this and and what does she do and I want to do that too and then and then following the breadcrumbs you know so I looked at a few different programs and I was like oh I can't really go one night a week to a university class oh I don't have the budget to spend you know twenty thousand dollars on tuition mm-hmm. for a two-week program but I didn't I, I never said, oh, I guess this isn't for me I just kept looking and following the breadcrumbs until I found a program that was right so it's like it's it's like having that trust that if it is something that sparks your interest and lights you up when you see it that there is a way for that to be expressed through you and discovered in your life and it may take a moment to find it or it may not be coming, you know in the next 24 hours but to me those are that's the little trail of intuition so to speak that if yeah. you follow it if you follow those things that light you up um you'll you'll find joy and you'll find a path
0: and I love that spark and following the breadcrumbs because Sometimes when we're paying attention to our intuition, you're right, it doesn't mean that things are going to happen immediately and we might not find exactly what we're, we're wanting to look for straight away. But if you pursue it with that sense of commitment, and, and I'm going to go back to your word of knowing, and um, that real sense of knowing that you know deep down this is the right thing for you to do, then it will all eventually fall into place.
1: Yes, and just finding the... I think so much of it too is just trusting yourself that. So Mm -hmm. once you have that knowing, understanding that you are taking the steps in the right direction. And sometimes I believe, Jillian, that my intuition has led me straight into the lesson I needed to learn. You know, Uh it didn't work out exactly the way I would have hoped. So following my intuition was, you know, entering into a marriage that eventually wasn't going to work out. But I don't think that I look back and say, well, that means I didn't follow my intuition there. Perhaps my intuition was all about like having these two kids and learning to tear down a white picket fence. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that we have this connection that like, Oh, if you follow your intuition, it's going to be all easy and flow. And I just don't necessarily think that that always happens right away.
0: Again, I'm a bit like you. I'm a firm believer that there are lessons to be learned in every experience. And some of those experiences are going to be great and amazing, and some are going to be really difficult and hard. And, and I think you're right. The journey that we go on leads us to where we need to be. And in a way, if we if, if we surrender to that and allow the the intuition to come forth, then yeah, it might not be all rosy in the garden all the time, as you've described, but but you will definitely get some learnings. And, and I would imagine, and certainly from my own experience, it's made me stronger and more resilient. So I kind of wondered if you shared the same thoughts.
1: Absolutely. So as I look back on the things that have been difficult for me, like single parenting and getting a, a, a marriage that didn't work out and losing my dad at a young age and um, this journey into business, which has been a, a lot of work <laughs> and a lot of fun, you know, but all of it, I look back and I wouldn't, I I wouldn't make a different decision. If that makes any sense, I wouldn't go back and change it because it has created like the answer to who am I? The answer to that comes from all of the different experiences that I've had. And what I've found is when I lose that sense of wonder and curiosity about my intuition. When I quit communicating with my intuition, you know, or asking questions like, well, what else can I learn here? Or um what other path could I take? Or what other choice could I make? It's then when I start sort of feeling like, oh, I've had a misstep. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does.
0: And I wondered just for those people who are listening, this sense of listening to your intuition could you describe how it feels sorry mm-hmm. i'm putting you on the spot there with that question but i just wondered if you could share any insights around that
1: yes so i think for me it feels like a lightness um it feels like a, i don't know if you have you ever had a conversation and the conversation is so interesting that you start to like lean in to the other person so that you can share more closely. It's almost like a lifting up or a leaning in. For me, there's a sense of excitement about it. So here's one simple example. I was at a conference years ago and I met a woman and she I asked her what she did, what was her business. And she had a flower farm and I'll never forget. Like when she said she had a flower farm, it like my whole body sort of like, lit up a little bit and I just was so curious and interested like whoa I've never really even thought of a flower farm I love flowers and so now like for the past two summers I've had my own little flower patch so I don't think I'm gonna go become a flower farmer but these flowers have brought so much joy into my life Mm -hmm. and so that's just one little like I want to it's not a silly example but it's just a very simple example of how um It's almost like as you're just going through your day and as you're having the conversations that you would naturally have, where are those those moments where you feel almost like a surge of energy or just a real lightness? Or it's like all of a sudden you feel like a kid again for three Mm -hmm. seconds when you hear a certain phrase.
0: And I think what you've just shared there is so important to remember, which is that these intuition shows up in every aspect of life. It doesn't have to be these huge, big life-changing, rock your world moments. So, like serious things like divorce or you know, death <laughs> of a family member, changing your career—you know, these really big decisions that you, you know, you've experienced in 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 your life. But they can be the simple things, and I. The sense of something that brings you joy and something that brings you some lightness. Wow, you know, is that not all what we're looking for in life? Is some more joy in our lives? Yes,
1: yes. And I'm sitting here um, and I've got these three beautiful sunflowers that came out of my little flower patch. And, you know, I just, I love walking out there every morning and just seeing, oh, what's blooming today? You know, and Mm. I don't know. So it is, it's about more than just the big decisions. And it's about more than just getting it right. I think it's about following those breadcrumbs, finding that freedom, joy, and letting letting go of those expectations or limitations that are holding you back. And, and when you feel like you haven't gotten it wrong, just asking a
0: question like, okay, where do I go from here? Let's choose yeah. again. Mm. And it sounds as you've been talking that your definition then of success changed and has changed. So I wondered how has that changed for you? (laughs) I'm just giggling because I'm thinking about
1: my description and remembering how um, just determined I was to have that white picket fence, Mm. you know, and the the perfect family and the perfect marriage and the perfect job. Um, Yeah, it has. And so now for me, it's not about those external things. It's not, I think that was more about other people looking at me and seeing that my life was successful. And now what success is for me is it doesn't, you know, I'm not as concerned with what people are thinking when they're looking in from the outside. I'm more concerned with the joy, the satisfaction and the freedom to be myself and express that and cultivate that and having the space to not always get it right and and be curious about uh, the times that i am listening to my intuition and still sometimes i can get headstrong and just march towards a plan um and so it's just stopping to be still for a moment and listen
0: Thank you so much. Now you've shared already so many insights and words of wisdom throughout this conversation, but I'm going to ask you three questions if that's okay. And I've been asking everybody who's come on to the podcast. So I hope you can, you'll be okay with answering them too. So you've shared already lots of lessons, but what would you say one of your key lessons you've learned has been so far on your journey?
1: I think the biggest lesson I've learned and that I'm still learning is how much information my actual body has to share with me. So as a very sort of like intellectual, rational, logical thinker, I've used over the course of my life, just my mind to make so many decisions. But when I'm talking about the intuition, I'm always like, I feel it in my gut, or there's just this lightness, or you know, you feel this spark. And so for me, the biggest lesson is that your your body has a lot of information for you and pay attention to how it feels and how it moves and 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 build a relationship with your body.
0: And that's something that I've done over the years is really befriend. That side of myself, more sensing side, more than perhaps the mind, because the mind is great, obviously we need it, but it can sometimes block us as well and stop us from listening to our intuition. So I think you're right. And I would say that for me, my intuition lies exactly where yours does, which is in the gut, in the deepest part of my belly. And if I can get a rumble or a or a kind of sense of bubbliness um, sensation in my belly, then I know yes, that's the right thing to, that's the right thing to do. So amazing. And so Look, we all have wobbles. You know, I have wobbles. I know you have wobbles. Everyone has wobbles in life. So what do you say to yourself when you do have those wobbles just to get you back on
1: track? My big tool that I pull out at this point in my life is compassion Mm -hmm. and just reminding myself that I am not perfect. I am human. You know, I make decisions even still out of fear or loneliness or... You know, um, other people's expectations, and so really just looking at like when life is not meeting my expectations, or when I am, you know, when it's when things are not unfolding. In the right direction, just having that sense of compassion and Mm. thinking to myself, like, hey, what if we just skip the judgment part (laughs) and the part where I beat myself up and say, why didn't I make a better decision? I should have known better all of this and instead just skip straight to the part where I settle down, listen in, you know, and say, okay, what's now? What's next? Um, Where do we go from here?
0: That's an amazing piece of advice and way of working with those wobbles. And it goes back to what you said before, isn't it really around like removing the expectation and the judgment and just being really compassionate with yourself and showing yourself some some kindness.
1: Yes, be your own friend. I, that was just such a huge concept for me to think when I started thinking wow, do I talk to myself the way that I would talk to a really good friend? And the answer used yeah. to be not often. Mm-hmm. Um, and So I've tried to really change that.
0: I think that's a really interesting point because we really wouldn't be as critical to others as we are to ourselves, or or be quite as harsh or cruel about ourselves at times. So I think be your own friend is a really good piece of advice. And so that was gonna be my final question actually is, If you could give the listeners one piece of advice, what would it be? You might have shared things already, but is there anything from what we've talked about or anything else that's coming up for you that you think is worth sharing?
1: I think that's it. I think I would say, you know, ask yourself the next time you're in the midst of some self-talk, what would I say to my best friend in this moment right now? Um, And try that with
0: yourself. Thank you. Do you know what Jeannie? I'm gonna use that and pinch that for myself. So thank you so much for that, that's amazing. Oh, I've just really loved talking to you today. As always, you know, you're such a wonderful, open person. So thank you so much for sharing what you have today. And I'm sure I've learned a lot and I know the listeners definitely will learn from your experiences and this sense of trusting your intuition. So thank you so much Jeannie, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Jillian. thank you for listening today if you enjoyed this podcast episode it would mean the world to me if you would just leave a review and subscribe to be notified each week of new episodes until next time stay well and remember be your own friend be compassionate and listen to your gut see you soon